Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. What I love about the podcast is not just educating about dermatology so we can help more itchy pets all over the country, the world, um, but also the ability to get everyone thinking, including myself, and being open to change. You know, dermatology, there are so many different layers of what we deal with, right? There are antipritics. A topical therapy, there's supplements, diet, parasiticides. There's a lot of things that feed into managing dermatologic cases. And the amazing thing about that is the ability to make a very unique treatment plan for that particular pet, right? Whether they're a food allergic pet or an atopic pet. But we also get new products and new ways of thinking, whether that's diagnostic testing or just learning from literature and research. And I want to discuss today on the podcast a topic that I have started lecturing about and kind of diving into and really changing some of the way that I utilize this particular diagnostic test. And I would say this is probably actually one of the topics that's most debated among dermatologists, and that is ear culture, ear culture and sensitivity. And I'm specifically focusing on the ear, you know, not the skin because there's different reasons. There's some controversy as far as collecting an ear culture versus a skin culture. For the most part, if you have a non-responsive pyoderma um, or say lots of rods on the skin, you know, we will probably say if you're going to use a systemic antibiotic, that culturing the skin would be an advantageous thing to do. Ear culture can be a little bit different, and I want to start by looking at some of the older indications in the literature where you may consider doing an ear culture, and I will say this is predominantly, when I started doing dermatology, what I would do, but I've changed that a little bit, and we're going to talk about why, and I will just preface with saying, again, this is a very debated topic in our field. There are some dermatologists who really don't hardly ever use external ear cultures. There are some that do them more readily than others. I am somewhere in the middle. And as you guys know from listening to other podcast episodes, I really think we have to look at the individual patient, whether that's the finances of the owner, the ability of what we can get done, prioritizing certain things. So every case is very unique which is why I love dermatology. You know, we manage a lot of itchy pets, we manage a lot of ear infections, but there's just very different ways we have to utilize our treatment plans, whether it is finances, whether it is the ability of the owner to implement certain things at home, whether it's the behavior of the animal to allow certain things to happen to them when they're at home. So there's just a lot of things to consider and it's a little puzzle that you get to put together. So previous indications in the literature to collect an ear culture and sensitivity. So if we have like a mixed infection, so say there are cocci and rod-shaped organisms. If there is a lot of separative inflammation with little bacteria, so maybe we're concerned that we're having a contact reaction, maybe we're concerned that the little bit of bacteria that is there is resistant. 
um, otitis media. I will say otitis media, and we're going to talk a little bit about how we get a middle ear sample. That's probably one of the aspects that all of us pretty much agree on is reasonable to utilize culture and sensitivity because you're going to use systemic therapy. So we'll talk about why that's important coming up. Um, failure to respond to previous therapy. So you try utilizing one therapy, it didn't work. So we're going to culture. And then something that I used to do a lot, I was kind of previously taught, and I think a lot of people did historically, was there's a bunch of rods. So you look under the microscope because we always collect cytology, right? We're always going to see not only what organisms are present, even if we're going to culture, because what if the ear looks nasty, but it's a bunch of yeast? We don't want to culture that, and we don't want to waste the owner's money on that. What if it's changed? So we did have a bunch of rods, we treat it, but now it's changed to cocci. Um, what if it's better, but just the quantity has changed? So we always want to write down quantity as well. So a bunch of rods, you know, when we see a pyoderma with a bunch of true rods, I would probably say in most cases I'm going to jump to culture. Now if I see an ear, it's a big it depends for me, which is one of the most frustrating but common things I say when asked questions about dermatology because it really does depend. So I will say, I used to say, oh my gosh, a bunch of rods, I'm going to culture it even if they hadn't really been under treatment. That I don't necessarily do anymore because, well, I'm going to tell you about why when I get through my updated thoughts. Here's my updated thoughts for me as a dermatologist and when I utilize ear culture. Because like I said, I'm kind of in the middle. I don't culture every single case that's a rod. Um, I don't not use ear cultures. I think there's a middle ground place for them. One, presence of otitis media, hands down. We think we have otitis media. If we can get a sample of the middle ear, we're going to keep them on long-term systemic antimicrobials. If we're able to in most cases, most of us are going to say yes to an ear culture. The other one I'll consider is severe otitis externa, and I'm going to have to use systemic therapy. Now, I will say in most cases of otitis externa, I love to manage them just topically. But there are some cases, whether it's a very stenotic ear, if you have some really bad horizontal canal disease, where systemic therapy may be warranted. But why is it so controversial to just throw an ear culture into every single case that you're seeing? Well, remember, ear cultures are based on serum concentrations. So when we collect an ear culture, when we get you know, our MICs and our sensitivities and our resistance, remember that's based on serum concentrations. So say you have a pyoderma and you're to the point you cannot manage it topically and we have to consider using systemic antibiotics. Well, the sensitivities you're getting are based on that pet taking the medication. So let's say they're taking a capsule of clindamycin, swallowing it, going into their stomach, being broken down, getting digested, getting into their bloodstream and making it out to the skin. As you can imagine, that concentration in MIC is going to be different than an ear canal that you're just putting topical therapy into. You're going to get much higher, like a thousand times higher concentration with topical therapy because you're just putting it where the problem is. And so we have to be really cautious of sensitivities and really living and breathing by them when we are discussing topical therapy. So 
the thing I want you to remember in some of the debate about culture and sensitivities is just because you see a bunch of rods under the microscope doesn't mean you know that you are for sure dealing with pseudomonas. It's often pseudomonas, but that doesn't mean you know for sure you are dealing with pseudomonas. When we run a culture, it is a culture and sensitivity. We focus a lot on the sensitivity, but there are two parts to this test. The culture identifies the involved bacteria. For example, do you have pseudomonas or is it proteas, E. coli, something else? And then the sensitivity, which is the antimicrobial susceptibility results and breakpoints that would assume we're giving systemic treatment. So I think culture still can be helpful in a couple different reasons. One, the culture part, which rod or which cocci is present. So you cannot look under the microscope and see rods and definitively tell me without a culture that it is say proteus or pseudomonas. And that does matter because we know there are certain antibiotics that pseudomonas tends to be uh, susceptible to. And there are certain antibiotics that proteus tends to be susceptible to. And depending on which bacteria is there, there can be differences in that. So you're, we're seeing lots of tests starting to come out um, that are more just looking at speciation. And I think we're going to see more of these in the years to come, cheaper tests that maybe aren't necessarily giving uh, sensitivities for certain bacteria in the ears, but they're identifying what it is. So if you know for sure it's a pseudomonas, you might have a better idea of what we can topically use to treat those. So like pseudomonas, Traditionally, we think of things like fluoroquinolones, aminoglycosides, you know, polymyxin B, in general, tend to be quite effective against those. Not saying they cannot develop resistance because pseudomonas, we know, can be a very nasty, ulcerative, resistant bacteria. Now, that's the culture portion. So I think it can be helpful to know what is it? Is it truly pseudomonas? Maybe that will guide my topical therapy. The sensitivity looks at the pharmacokinetics that estimate the tissue levels following standard antibiotic dosing as we kind of talked about. It's relying on serum concentration. So if the zone of inhibition exceeds that breakpoint, it is unlikely the antimicrobial will, will attain a therapeutic concentration at the target tissue. But again, remember, there's going to be different breakpoints if you are simply putting that antibiotic in a topical form right in the ear canal versus giving something systemically. So the culture can be helpful for us as an ear culture just for that to speciate what bacteria is there. The sensitivity, I don't necessarily use the sensitivity for guidance of my topical therapy. But as we discuss, if I feel like I'm going to have to use systemic therapy, like terrible horizontal canal disease, um, you know, maybe like an otitis media, but the owners can't afford for us to do a video otoscopy to actually sample the bulla. I may try to guide with a deep horizontal culture, but that's not foolproof. There are studies that show if you culture something in the horizontal ear canal and then you sample something in the bulla, you can get different bacteria or you can get different sensitivities. But we have to live in the real world where sometimes, you know, we can only do what we're able to do as far as finances, things like that. There's several studies that look at inter-laboratory variation if they try to isolate or look at susceptibility patterns of different bacteria, even if they sample from the same area of the ear and send them to the same lab or they send them to different labs, a lot of times you'll see contradictions over what bacteria is there or what the sensitivities are. 
And the fact that we use a lot of our ear topical medications that are concentration dependent really works in our favor because if a bacteria reported resistant, so say a fluoroquinolone reported resistant for pseudomonas on our culture, but we are going to be using such high concentrations of it because we're giving it topically, that actually works in our favor for things like aminoglycosides and fluoroquinolones because remember those are concentration dependent antibiotics. Higher concentration works in our favor, which is t different than time dependent antibiotics, right? Because time dependent antibiotics, it doesn't matter how high the concentration is, it matters that you stay above a certain level for periods of time. So for concentration dependent ones, which often are the ones we're using against these nasty uh, pseudomonas, say bacteria, which is probably the predominant one people are considering culturing or suspicion of at least, that's going to help us out. Um, so those are just things that I think we have to consider and that's why this is heavily debated. Some people don't find, you know, culturing the external ear canal helpful at all because of the fact that we get higher topical concentrations. Some people feel that there is still some value in doing them, whether it's just to get the culture portion and see exactly what that bacteria is, um, or just to have an idea of some of the sensitivities if we're going to use systemic therapy just based on the fact that they have deeper disease and we don't feel like we're going to actually be able to get all of our topical therapy into say that horizontal canal if it's really swollen. Now there's lots of factors here, right? If we have a really stenotic canal, is it calcified? If it's super calcified, they're probably better off just going to surgery. If you got a lot of pliability to that canal, you can use things like systemic steroids to open those up and then you might have a better chance of your topical therapy getting down. So a lot of these are generalities because every case is very different. But I think where most of us as dermatologists can agree is if we are going to run a culture and sensitivity, we're basing it on systemic therapy not necessarily getting or uh, guiding our topical therapy. So if I get a culture back and it says it's resistant to an antibiotic, but I know that I'm going to get much higher concentrations of it, but I know it's pseudomonas, I may still feel comfortable using that topically, but I'm not going to put them on a systemic version of the antibiotic. So you have to really look into why you're running it and how is it guiding you. So I think just like a roadmap, culture and sensitivity, if used appropriately with ears, can be helpful, but it's a guidance. You still have to read into our knowledge base of these bacteria. What is it? Are we using systemic therapy or not? What does that ear canal look like? Can we get good topical therapy in? Do we have to utilize something like a systemic? Um, you know, why is that pet have an ear uh, infection? Is it a nasty mass in the ear? And we think it has to go to surgery. Anyway, all of these things feed into that. Um, the last thing I'll kind of talk about is middle ear culture because I do think m pretty much all of us agree that middle ear culture is essentially where we definitely can see culture and sensitivity be a valid thing to do if you're sampling the middle ear. How do we do that? Well, in a perfect world, we like to do video otoscopy just because we have a magnified image of that eardrum or the bulla if there is no eardrum or if we need to do myringotomy we can be more specific about where we do a myringotomy so essentially we will anesthetize them we'll put our video otoscope down the ear we will take a sterile plastic catheter you can also use a spinal needle and we will do a myringotomy which is a little incision into the eardrum if needed if it's already ruptured then we don't have to 
and we inject sterile saline into the middle ear. Or if there's a lot of pus and debris in there, you could just try to suck some of that up. But a lot of times we have to put sterile saline into the middle ear. We're doing this very specifically to bypass all the bacteria that's in the external ear canal because again, they can be different. And then you're gonna aspirate that material back, the sterile saline you put into that middle ear and you're gonna culture that. And the reason that middle ear cultures pretty much are widely accepted amongst all of this debate is the fact that we tend to treat these cases, if able, with long courses of systemic antibiotics because it is really difficult to expect a topical therapy to go all the way down the vertical canal, all the way down the horizontal canal, and then coat the entire bulla. And then you're also hoping that over time, that eardrum's gonna grow back, so then your topical therapy is gonna not be able to get all the way to the bulla as well. And when we treat otitis media, we are treating them with systemic antibiotics for, you'll see anywhere from like six to 12 weeks. I tend to treat them for at least eight weeks. So that's why the middle ear culture can be really helpful for us. We're putting them on more long-term antimicrobials, but again, we're relying on systemic therapy, which is why the culture can be really important for us because that is what the culture is for is based on those serum concentrations. So I hope that is helpful. I know that depending on who you talk to, you'll hear a lot about, oh, I don't do your cultures at all. I don't find them valuable at all. And others are like, oh, I do them all the time. You have to kind of know where that stems from. And a lot of it is the fact that we don't want it to be confusing that it's guiding our topical therapy. It may guide, but you can't live and breathe by those S's and R's on those reports when you're talking about topical therapy because of the fact that we're utilizing such higher concentrations if we're using an eardrop versus giving it to them systemically. Now, if you are going to use systemic, that's where I think it can be helpful or if we're just going to focus on what the bacteria is. So it's a very confusing topic and again, very highly debatable. Even in our germ conferences, this is something that we all really debate about. And so I hope this information at least sheds some light onto why we have this conversation. Again, these are meant to get you thinking, seeing what's right for you. Um, but tests are great, but we are the ones who have to interpret those. And so as the doctors, you know, as the people involved in making decisions for these pets, we want to make sure we understand the full scope of that test and its purpose and value. So I hope that's helpful. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. You know, you can comment on the social media post that goes up with this or shoot me a DM, but I think this is a really interesting topic. I love managing otitis. It's one of my favorite things about dermatology. And so I'm really excited to hear what you guys think. And don't forget, these are the topics we talk about in the Derm Nerds. In fact, you know, we did ear flushes this month as our topic of the month. So if you love hearing these podcasts and want to dive deeper into discussions about these things and some of the things that aren't clear cut, some of the things that we do have different opinions on, the Derm Nerds is the place for you. And you can always join us at the link in my bio on my Instagram, or if you go to thedermvet.com and look at the Derm Nerds, we would love to have you.